0: Alexa, what time is it?
1: The time is (gasps) 6.28pm.
0: We're late. And welcome to the Pompey Politics Podcast.
1: Blue and yellow till we die. I'm Ian Tiny Morris. And I'm Simon (laughs) Sandspring. So. we we nailed that the last couple of weeks, mate, haven't we? We were... My fault, I think. We were gassing away, shooting the breeze, and suddenly it was 26 and we were in trouble. We,
0: you know, we, were, we were just getting comfortable, but we have some things lined up for you. So, how's your week been, Ian?
1: Yeah, not too bad, actually. But yeah, reasonably high energy and uh, got lots done. Got myself another 12-hour ban from, mute from Portsmouth Politics Facebook group.
0: I you, uh, you couldn't yourself. help
1: myself. You got might your... have had a glass of wine last night. Might have been a racist person on there. I might have given them fair, frank, and perhaps direct feedback about the nature of their personality. But the lovely admins, I did warn them they were going to have to ban me, and they did, so fair play.
0: Um, well, that's very gentlemanly behaviour of you to warn the, um, to warn the admins in advance that they need to ban you he says as he just remembers to actually stop the um to stop the pl- the splash in front of ahead of the um li- live stream sorry it was still showing uh, the yeah, video our stream looks looks rather pixelated today um my internet connection might be might be somewhat wobbly i'm going to um i'm going to risk and go to um using my phone instead so um yeah well yes yeah, so you got yourself banned again ian really do you never learn hello um well that was entirely my fault so yeah i
1: thought you would lash something up there mate
0: <laughs> yeah i i tried to switch the hotspot on my phone which weirdly sometimes has a better connection than my broadband um and actually forgot that i hadn't enabled it on my phone <laughs> so <laughs> oh, pulled the plug disaster. um how's your week been then apart from me <laughs> apart, apart from me completely stuffing up using zoom um fine um Thank you. By the way, I just got a message from uh, one of our avid listeners, Tracy, to say that um, to say that um, I'd gone quiet. I'm just going to make sure that we're still actually live streaming. We are, um, so hopefully people can still hear me. I can't get back into the into the watching. Um, are we still here? Um, so yeah. So my week. Um, i i I celebrate every week that isn't doesn't involve damage to me or to a, a cat yeah
1: um yeah
0: which which is a which is a good thing um anybody that was listening that strongly last week would know that I had a replacement keyboard which was really noisy now I've got a a um instead of my temporary keyboard I've now got a um, a better one so I'm a bit quieter um oh, I, there was something else I was going to say which i can't remember what it is now. Um, yes, it was my. I I went to meet someone in Southsea, so it's the furthest south I'd been since about March Ooh. this week, and that was my first. So the other up until this point, the furthest south I'd been had been Morrison's in Anchorage Park, which I travelled to on foot. Hard luck. Um, no, I I like a bit of Morrison's. The fresh fruit and the, and the meat is good. Yeah, I like it. Um, Are
1: you sure, it's a ghastly northern affair. <laughs>
0: okay um but the food is great and uh you know i'm i'm not bothered by kind of you know casting aspersions about them based on the origins of their founder um so yes so it was my first trip further south than the morrisons if we call that the line of demarcation <laughs> um and um it was also my first trip on public transport since about march oh. um so i went on Face the train fast I went on the train. I procured some face masks from a local shop, which were £5 for a pack of five disposable face masks. Which Ooh, wow. um, the good thing is, is that if you've already got a face mask, the expression that you're pulling while they tell you that it's £5 for a pack of five disposable face masks is hidden. Which was kind of. I think like,
1: we got about 40 for about four quid.
0: Yeah, well, I'd kind of not planned ahead
1: ah ha, ha, so, that's not the
0: sansbury way no it's not but it is the way of our conservative <laughs> government isn't it so um so having having taken taken procurement lessons from matt hancock um i basically left it to the last minute went to a local shop in the area who i will not name um uh, late at night um the day before, to um, to to procure myself a mask, um, got some masks, um, and then got on the train, um, and then felt like a complete wally at Cosham train station, being one of only three people that were actually bothering to wear a mask that was at the station. Um, really. So that was yeah. So that was a bit con, a bit concerning. Um, yeah, but there we go. Anyway, the, the train was by no means busy, um, and the meeting passed without event. Without it. Yes. Excellent. So, right. Yes.
1: On this day then, Chum, what have you got for me?
0: So on this day, um I mean one of the biggest on this days, of course, is um is one that um we're gonna be talking about directly later on, aren't we? Yep. So um we don't need to um we don't need to kind of label that. Um but he says hoping to flick between screens and find find the notes so, on this day, um, as you might have kind of felt the build-up to on the previous, um, previous on this days that we've announced, 1775, the Continental Congress adopts the Olive Branch Petition, written by John Dickinson, which appeals directly to King George III and expresses hope for reconciliation between the colonies and Great Britain. How did that go?
1: Yeah. Took a bit of sorting
0: out, didn't it? Well, it, it took a bit of sorting out. Um, didn't really go so well. How the independence doesn't seem to be working out so well for them. And as I've opined on Facebook, um, you know, their their current leader is is putting the colon into colonies. So. Um, I yeah, it's that was, not,
1: not looking pretty over there, is not, it? It's not. But to be not, fair, not gonna end well.
0: After yesterday, we can literally say hold my beer, because that's effectively what we've been doing. Um so um, before I go on, I'll quickly say hi to the people that were in the room. Some um, Lynn who who uh, jovially chastised us for being late. So thank you. I apologise, Lynn. That's no, fair, that's fair um, Lynn. Fair we were fun. late starting and then I buggered it up right at the beginning. Um, so we've got Jill, Tracy. Um, and Malcolm has um, has joined the throng. So into our second spot on on this day, um, 1865. Two entries for 1865. I won't do a drum roll, but in the East End of London, re- um, revivalist preacher William Booth and his wife wife his wife his wife Catherine established the Christian Mission, which later became known as the, the Salvation South- Army. Well, Salvation Army.
1: Blood, uh, and blood and fire.
0: Um, indeed. Um. Also 1865, as I said, President Andrew Johnson signs an executive order that confirms the military conviction of Confederate sympathizers David E. Herald, G.A. Arzorod, Lewis Payne, Mary E. Surat, Michael O'Loughlin, Edwin Sp- Edward Spangler, Samuel Arnold and Samuel A. Mudd who were arraigned on May 9th and convicted on July 5th for maliciously, unlawfully and traitorously conspiring with several others, including John Wilkes Booth, who had assassinated President Lincoln on April 14th. Um, In addition to targeting Lincoln, the conspirators had planned to kill General Ulysses S. Grant as he led Union armies in the Civil War against the southern states. Vice President Andrew Johnson, who succeeded Lincoln to the presidency, was also one of the group's intended prey. So... Um, what I guess certain people um who fetishize American history won't say is these were terrorists
1: well it's the yeah, one man's freedom fighter is another man's terrorist isn't it it's, yes uh, but you know, you know people
0: that are willing to go to war with their own country in order to reserve preserve their right to own other people um, um it was
1: yeah very interesting uh, Billy bragg touched on on in on one of his uh, he had a, online article today where he was talking about the fact that the, you know, people fight for their rights and, and interestingly he touched on the Civil War that, you know, the the Union wanted to fight for the rights not to own people and the Confederacy wanted to fight for the right to own people um, and both considered themselves morally right in their endeavours. Mm-hmm. Um, I think history shows us clearly Uh, on the right side of the there
0: but you know these these political unions they'll never catch on yeah in 1946 French designer Louis Riard that was rubbish pronunciation that was worthy of you Ian um, unveils a daring two-piece swimsuit at the Piscine Molitor um, a popular swimming pool in Paris, uh, Parisian showgirl uh, Micheline Bernardini, oh, I can't even, modeled the new fashion, which um, he did dubbed the bikini, inspired by a news made by the, basically the US atomic test that took place on the Bikini Atoll in the Pacific Ocean earlier that week. So we owe the name of skimpy swimwear to nuclear weapons tests in the Pacific.
1: Yeah. Interesting. Strange, isn't it? I I knew the two were linked, but I didn't. um,
0: Well, there we go. Uh, 1996, Dolly the sheep, the first mammal to be successfully cloned from an adult cell, is born at the Roslyn Institute in Scotland. Um, And, you know, no one yet has been able to, thankfully, model, you know, clone a human because there are several people that we really don't need more than one of. Uh, 1975. Um, Arthur Ashe defeats the heavily favoured Jimmy Connors to become the first black man ever to win Wimbledon.
1: Wimbledon, yeah. In
0: 2003, the WHO declares SARS contained worldwide.
1: Yeah, we could do a bit of that with the old COVID, but I think that might take a little bit longer.
0: It may well indeed. But there we go. That was On This Day. Of course, the trailer to On This Day... Is the big news is, and we're not going to sing happy birthday, but of course today is the 72nd birthday of the NHS. Happy birthday, NHS. I thought yes. you were going to sing. So we wanted to talk about... What were you going to say about the NHS, Ian?
1: Well, I guess the question is, you know, what what is its future? You know, the past is it is you know obviously was set up post war. I think the intention had been to set something up pre-war. Post war, it was set up, um, and you know if you look at it, it, it it's a one of very few um, sort of national health services, um, but it's facing some challenges. It's you know it, the the amount of money that it consumes. It's twenty four percent of the government's total spend. I think it was going to be at least £140 billion pounds this year. And we have a situation where we have an ageing population. And I guess the question is, where does it go next? Um, yes.
0: So it is facing lots of challenges. Um, but, I mean, considering that, you know, when it was... When it was formed, are you sure about that twenty four percent figure? Yeah, yeah, got it off a government website. Oh, it can't possibly be untrue, then. Um,
1: well, or it might have been the Office of National Statistics. It was, it was either youGov or ONS.
0: Um. Okay, because in two thousand and seventeen, the ONS has it at nine point six percent. No. I don't think. I don't think the Tories have increased it by 2.5%. Sorry, by no. um, two, um, no. by two 25 point.
1: Have increased uh, it, though. It's an interesting one. So well, in no- terms of the compound spend, 3.7% every year since it was built, slowed down a bit in the last 10 years because cash has been a bit tight. Um, but yeah,
0: um, a lot of cash. There are many people that would probably try to point um, and I am not going to do that now. That um, that trying to claim that increases in spending is great, but if you don't, if you exclude the fact that you cut a load of spending, or exclude the fact that actually the requirement, required spending is actually increasing at a greater level, then it's not, and it, it might be an increase, but you are still behind. Um, oh yeah,
1: I, I, and again, look, I, I wouldn't defend that situation. Um, you know, my 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 view to put my cards on the table. Mm-hmm is that the NHS is a bottomless pit in terms of money and you can you would no government whatever their co- the their color or aspiration will ever be able to pour enough money in it to stop us having the the, the conversation because you have a situation where you have a population that is aging so you know, Again, we touched on this in the preamble, that mm-hmm. the original thought was that by spending money on the NHS, it would end up getting cheaper because people wouldn't be as poorly. But what we're actually seeing is people living longer. And I, I can't remember the statistic, but the percentage spend on sort of last 10 years end-of-life care is where so much of the money ends up being spent.
0: Um. Well, we have this, um, I guess fortunate problem in that um for want of a better phrase in that we have people that are living longer and we have medical advances and technological advances that mean that we're able to discover illnesses that previously we wouldn't and we're able to treat illnesses that previously yep. uh previously we wouldn't um i yeah um just as an a uh, um I, i've looked at the um the latest the two the 2020 figures for um, public expenditure, it's its its not. It's its, it's under um, 10%. It's way under 10%. Um, if you include um, welfare, you might be getting somewhere near the... You won't even be getting actually to 20%. You'd still be getting about 18%. So, I'm not sure we might... Bumstat, I obviously... Looked Bum, no, in that's alright. That's alright. That's all Probably got it from Conservative Home.
1: <laughs> How dare you. <laughs>
0: um, so, um, yeah, I... I well from what is the future for it i think we have a situation where um thankfully people are living longer we need to bring to my mind we need to we need to actually have a national care service Um, Because we have this strange situation where we have a national health, but care is is kind of somehow separate. We need a grown-up conversation about how we're actually going to pay for those things because they are more expensive. You know, for example, dementia care is really, really expensive. And um, people that have end-of-life care, I don't mean in the palliative sort of sense, I mean in the, um, you know, they're less cognitive, uh, they have less cognitive abilities, they need actual, um, you know, uh, comfort care to look after them um those th- those things are um are expensive and we have well, um we have a a large aging uh, population so adult conversations are required about how we how we pay for that although to be fair Theresa May tried to do that in the 2017 election and it didn't really work out so well for her
1: well and and that's that for me is a fascinating situation so uh, again uh, a, a slightly personal share my my mum had motor neuron disease so had to go into a nursing home. And she lived in her council flat, had no assets to her name. But she went into the home and the council picked up the bill for her um her room, which was just over a thousand pounds a week. Now, Mum lived in the home very happily, could not fault the staff or the levels of service or care that she got. You know, absolutely fantastic. She lived there for just over two years, so that cost the taxpayer about a hundred and thirty thousand pounds. Now the absurdity is: had my mum lived in her flat, then at the time of her passing and owned her flat, my brother and I would have been in for a cheeky one hundred and fifty k windfall, seventy five k each, lovely on the hip. Yet somebody else had to pay for mum's care Uh, and i i you know that desperately unpopular you know policy in the 2017 manifesto which we've dropped for me that was the fairest probably most socialist policy we had ever put into any manifesto
0: that was before you heard of rishi sunak right well it, it it kind of seemed to come out of nowhere didn't it really it seemed to be quite a shock mm-hmm. i don't i, I mean I, I i'm not necessarily saying it was a good or a bad idea i think from a point of view of putting the conversation on the table it was a conversation that needed to be had um but um in the last few weeks of a general election doesn't seem to be the right time to have that sort of <laughs> conversation um yeah, so well, i
1: I've, I've always believed that, that you know jeremy corbyn was was running our PR campaign on that. So somebody had got inside. But I guess my point is to, to your point you make there, Simon, is that we've got to have a grown-up conversation about these costs. And the fact is that that I do not I I d I don't I can't think of anything else where we would look at somebody's personal wealth and say they can keep all of their personal wealth and for their care somebody else can pay for it
0: i think it speaks to um i think it speaks to that that weird thing about aspiration in the sense that as parents people want to leave um advantageous situations and i don't mean in a in a dishonest sort of way. I mean, they want to leave their children on, and their grandchildren in a yep. much more um better situation than they than they were in themselves. Um so the, I guess there's kind of something about um I want to, you know, I want to leave this to my children, not to have the state take a great big chunk out of it. Thanks very much. Um and I and I can understand a bit the motivation of that. But the differences between we're talking about the weight, the color and the massive masses of inequalities in this is that's the difference between someone leaving a house that's worth 300,000 to their two children. um, Yes. As as an estate between that and the difference between someone who's actually, um, who's actually got considerably more um, material wealth um, or considerably more um, assets in other, in other forms um, and this was another conversation that we kind of skirted around in our, in our preamble when we, were, when we were prepping the show was kind of this conversation about you know considering kind of physical assets or savings as assets but from a point of view of is it is it fair that the house that someone was hoping to leave to their children or hoping you know expecting that their ch- children would to be able to clear it and sell it and you know set and you know, that would that would aid them is it fair that that expectation expectation is deprived of them um by using that house in order to pay for care. But it only pays for it up to a certain amount. I forget, is it to up to up to the last kind of twenty
1: five thousand,
0: twenty three thousand, <laughs> twenty three thousand? Yeah. So um so is is that a fair question? And and again I'm not answering that, I'm I'm just repeating the question. Versus if they don't, then actually it's people that by and large, at the moment, are people actually earning considerably less than they would have? who have considerably less wealth than they do, are paying for that care through their taxes, and is that fair? Yeah, uh, and, and, that, and
1: that is that is my answers, that is my problem with it.
0: Answers on a, a postcard. That,
1: well, I don't know. I think the answer the answer for me is clear. It is that you know, if you are lucky enough to have had parents who have, you know, have created assets and wealth. I, I cannot see what is what is reasonable about, because nobody gets to keep their money. You can't take it with you. I, I cannot see a moral argument that says medium low paid workers should have to pay more taxes such that Somebody gets a hundred thousand, two hundred thousand pound windfall when their parents die and the house passes to them. It it, it feels obscene to me.
0: Yeah, and that, and that's kind of, I mean, I guess that's kind of one end of the argument, isn't it? I mean, we we've kind of gone I've down got a little
1: socialist. bit socialist. I feel so
0: dirty. <laughs> Ian needs, need, I think Ian kind of feel, feels that he needs kind of scrubbing down at this point. Um But uh, I mean, aside from that, with regards to how we pay for you know you know how we pay for healthcare how we pay for nhs care how we pay for um um you know all all of the other types of care that are actually you know the, these these people that today on the 72nd anniversary of the nhs we're celebrating and we found over the last couple of months that these are these are actually pro- quite possibly the most valuable people in our in our society because they've quite literally been keeping us going um but at the same time We want to argue about whether they have the right, whether the organizations that they work in have the right, have the right amount of money and support and actually work well together. A lot of it is, if I'm honest, my concern is that some of the um, siloing of these organizations creates issues where they can't communicate with each other, where they can't provide joined up care. Um, and that kind of that causes problems in hospitals where people can't be released into yep. care.
1: And and that was the example when when my mum had to be discharged into care. Uh, she was in a ward that the the QA had opened up that had about thirty almost exclusively elderly ladies in them who clinically there was nothing wrong with them, but there was nowhere there was there was no care setting for them to be discharged into. So you're right, if it isn't joined up, then, you know, you, you, you get a situation where, you know, one, one problem um, begets another. I mean, for me, I've got some optimism during the pandemic. I've I've had two appointments with my doctor, um, which have worked perfectly well as a telephone conversation. And, you know, when you look at the statistics that I think it's 25% of appointments aren't kept then you know that that move to virtual appointments has got to be an efficiency game in that it's got to mean that you're going to speak to a medical profession professional much faster than you do um
0: I, I, I think i mean virtual consultations were kind of like something that was on the periphery there were a lot of there were some organizations actually offering them prior to the prior to the pandemic mm. weren't there that that weren't um nhs um that we're doing that you know offering them privately um and that there's a there's a value in it and i think maybe some of the le- some of the positives out of the out of the current situation is that it's in some ways forced us to consider things that perhaps we didn't do because we were uncomfortable about before or just didn't try that may actually save us a bit of time and save us a bit of effort obviously the Ooh. the best thing would be that if you make an appointment with your doctor keep it and if you're not going to keep it ring them up in advance and tell them because it's it's you know, we all value our doctors. Why waste their time? Um so there there's a there's a there's a value in that but for but for me I think I I um I liked the idea of the and it's been the Lib Dem policy for quite some time now, um of a of hypothecating um a penny in the pound increase on income tax, um in order to um direct that money actually towards the health service in order to in order to give it the extra bit that it needs. Um but there are also other things that we need to do in order to make sure that um that um that the next generation of doctors and nurses and other care professionals um get the support that they need to study and to um and to welcome them and encourage them to actually join and stay in in those in those vital services because if we don't we're we're in a situation where we're wondering where our health professionals are all going because they're you know getting tired and um and feeling kind of um overworked and undervalued and um for one reason or another leaving the profession but we we need to we need to be encouraging that next generation that stream of people to come in and i don't think that there's enough joined up about that i don't think um i don't think it was a good idea to get rid of the um the nursing bursaries and and things like that 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 helped support people to join the profession
1: no definitely that you know again and i i i, I I've still not found anybody that thought that was a good idea. So I'm still not quite sure how that ever got through. So you have a situation where, you know, let us and again, it, it's another investment, but, you know, we're, we're, we're in an age where it is clear that, that, that we're going to need to change the model of the NHS. I, I don't think it can, as I say, my personal thoughts, you can't just keep pouring money into it. Um I, I think there is a, I think there is a, place for a discussion to be had that says that you know for some services that there should be a charge and again it's interesting when you start discussing that people go purple and start screaming about selling off our beloved NHS but if you want an eye test you've got to pay if you want to go and see the dentist for a checkup, you've got to pay and I, I've never quite understood why those two services sort of fell outside but if it's your eye or your teeth health, you have to make a contribution but everything else is free and gratis it uh, I, quite make sense to me uh, um i think there's a
0: conversation to be had there it depends on kind of how you how you would how you would set it um i don't know whether i mean if you if you're talking about charging for doctor's consultations um I can see how in some models that might work even if actually you refunded the money you're just kind of effectively paying a deposit to to secure the appointment but you get it back if you go um would this would stop people can you know stop people not showing up to the appointments but the tr- I th- the, the concern for me would be is the very people that you wouldn't want to avoid um the consultation with their doctor would would actually be put off of um of, of visiting their GP or making that appointment um, because because there's an initial kind of because uh, there's an I- initial um cost to it. Um, I think Lynn is telling me that that's a road to ruin. So um, so that's a uh, that's an interesting point. I mean, it's I I I think there's there's the other part of what are we? I mean, we have a better understanding and thankfully a better more open dialogue about mental health and well being um than we than we have done previously and and waiting times for um mental health services um you know are exorbitantly long except unless you're in literally the most extreme of cases um and it's and it's and it's horrifying that if you really need help you can't get it until the point that it actually becomes life-threatening that's 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 terrifying
1: and and I, I don't disagree, Simon. And this is but this is where I think that the disc, the, the grown up discussion about funding has to happen, because we all agree we want more nurses and doctors, and you know we both agree that the nursing bursary would be an excellent way to 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 kickstart that and incentivise people into that profession. We know we need those people, but then when they qualify, we've got to pay for them. We know we've got problems in the mental health arena where there just simply isn't enough provision in there we know we've got a problem in you know the elderly and adult social care all of the problems are really really easy to point at, and that was that my opening gambit was you will never pour enough money into all of those things to get them to where people say that's it they're fixed that they're good now
0: well I, I I don't to be fair I, I I honestly don't think there'll ever be a point where it is fixed because that's just not the nature of society is it you're always kind mm. of seeking progression um and quite rightly so that's that's civilization um but I also think the other the other side of it is actually looking at prevention because you can save money in the long term you save the the, the exorbitant you know the massive costs in treatment that you could actually save by investing money in finding ways to encourage people and you you know seen it in people giving up smoking i'm encouraging people to leave more active lifestyles which is something that we've seen a bit of actually in um in lockdown we've seen people choose to use active transport instead of their cars but sadly as things are kind of relaxing because people aren't uh, are being discouraged from using public transport they're actually now you know some people are kind of leaping back into their cars so in some ways we need to do something about stopping the the vicious circle that is there, and actually there's there's probably savings to be made in preventative care um education and you know however we motivate people to look after themselves better and i i I, lead, I hold myself up absolutely not as an example of looking after yourself well um that um that those things are actually gonna lead to us feeling better and actually living longer and living healthier lives and requiring actually less expensive intervention. That seems like a good point for us to move on from that um It does it that- does
1: and and as with all the discussions on the NHS we we haven't got a solution um but we've got to keep looking I think.
0: Um yeah we're getting reports back that the fridio keeps freezing. Um, oh. But I think we've got, we seem to be having connection gremlins today in the same way that last week we had Zoom gremlins. Um, so um, let's just keep our fingers crossed and hope that we carry on.
1: Absolutely. We should, we and should keep... so in the dead of night, <laughs> quiet and in a stealthy way, the deadline passed for us asking for an extension to the transition agreement. Yes. So thir- 31st of December. it it, it's all over and you stuck a poll up that said should we ask for an extension uh yes what did our what did our people say indeed
0: i i I asked the um i asked the great and the good um pompey politics podcast listeners um and they they answered in their numbers um and it was really interesting that we had uh, we had a total of ninety seven responses that gave us um, that gave us an answer, um, seventy five saying that we should have asked for an extension, and twenty two saying that we shouldn't. And because basically we waited long enough, let's get the hell on with it. Out he's out.
1: Get Brexit done. Get get Brexit done.
0: It, uh, just in case there is like a th- you know one person in the room that that isn't aware of the context, that was the point that. The end of June was the last day at which the uk government could have asked the European Parliament um, if um, basically to extend our transition period um, and now that that deadline has, has passed the uk government had said in the middle of June that they weren't going to ask for an extension anyway um but that that kind of deadline passing seemed to pass without so much as a care and a whisper or even a careless whisper. So yeah. this is not last That's Christmas. True. It's next Christmas.
1: Yeah. Yeah,
0: the, uh, yeah. No, I we, we try to make really strenuous links to musical yeah. music, but yeah. sometimes they work. Sometimes they don't. So, um, yes. Um, as everybody will be aware, we left the European union on uh, at the end of January because that was our, um, our first live broadcast. It was. Um, so we marked it in style. Um, but now what we you know, basically that means that the clock is ticking about finding an agreement or not finding an agreement by the end of the year. Um so yeah, so the so most what people do you reckon, do you think we will? Think we will what? Get an agreement? Yeah. I or think do you
1: think it's WTO all the way.
0: I think there may be some things that we agree on that we manage to agree, but I think the broader part of um of a trade deal won't be completed won't be won't be sealed and signed because there's just there's just too many variables i think some key things we might have been able to agree on a preliminary basis and i guess maybe it's possible that we might be able to say oh well in good faith we're going to be we're heading in this direction so we'll keep calm and carry on um and then johnson's government will be able to say well that wasn't us asking for the extension that was just us agreeing that that's part of the negotiation i don't know but i am concerned that we appear to be drifting towards the i think the latest is they call it an australia deal which is by the way no deal there is no deal australia doesn't have a deal with the eu um so um that is concerning because we're not really set up for that and coming on the back of a pandemic and the impacts that there are going to be on our economy um that might cause us some severe problems
1: Yeah, it's a funny one for me. I kind of, there's there's part of me that still thinks there's an element of brinkmanship on both sides, that, you know, nobody wants to be seen to blink first. Um, And, you know, uh, I guess the question is, you know, with with all of the stuff that's been talked about, you know, are we going to see an 11th hour arrangement I, you know i i i'm as part of me thinks we could have should have got this tied up by now, but we you know we ended up in a position where, as we discussed at, at inordinate length, everybody could agree what they didn't want, nobody could agree what they did yeah which um
0: i guess was one of the reasons why the pan the box shouldn't have been opened by Pandora in the first place um but we are where we are um weirdly. Um, As much as I can understand the logical case for us um, needing an extension at this point, um, I think politically we're the wrong people to be asking for it. By we, I mean as in Remainery types. Because we're the last people that should be asking for this because we've been painted as the you just want to delay Brexit, you just want to stop us getting our Brexit all the way through this. Um, And actually, um, us saying it isn't going to change the minds of anybody that actually wanted it. Um, and in in some respects, it just is more of the same as far as as far as they're concerned, so you know in a weird kind of way um do you know what I think that actually unless the people that want brexit to be um and I want brexit to be effective i didn't want it at all, but it's happened nope. um so I want it to be as good as it can be, but if the people that wanted it in the first place also want it to be as good as it can be rather than some ideological self you know stabbing yourself in your own face exercise then they should be kind of asking and pressing for those sorts of things. Some of them were, some of them don't seem to be. I just think the last thing the world needed was a load of Remain-types saying, ah, we should delay a bit more of Brexit.
1: Yeah. No, and I think, I think to be honest with you, Simon, there is an element of, look, if we look at this whole thing, more time hasn't helped, has it? You know, um, we, we've, we, we've, it we've said, oh, we just need another, or oh, can we just do another three? Oh, six nights we just have another year See, and it's got it's got us nowhere there's it, an element of of it's just kicking the can down the
0: street to some degree yes but the the fundamental problem remained and, and both of us have kind of been you know been involved in um in projects and kind of working working with timelines and dealing with those sorts of things so um in any sort of situation if you keep changing what you want the project to do then no amount of time will ever be enough. You will always need Correct. to keep extending your deadline. If you're clear about what your expectations are and you um, and what you're needing to work work through is how you get there, then actually it's possible to be really um, robust and ruthless about, about your deadlines. The problem with Brexit is that it wasn't the latter. It was the former. Um, and now it does really appear that we're getting the sort of Brexit that certain people told us that we weren't going to get, that we were going to get you know, the deals are going to be signed the next day. No one's talking about leaving the single market and the customs union. Um, they need yeah. us more than they need. All of that for lonely. And I guess, the, is,
1: I guess the thing is, Simon, that still might be the case. We just don't know.
0: It, it, it's not going to happen. It's not, you know, that. I'm sorry, that's just absolute fantasy. But we shall see. I look forward to it and I've never wanted to be wrong about something so much in my life. Um, yes. So it passed without a, a whisper i feel like i should have had a whisper bar but that would have been product yeah. placement um if yeah. i had dropped it on the floor that would also have been a careless whisper
1: so i'm wrestling with the corona
0: <laughs> Ian's struggling with corona oh good grief um so um i actually used that on the promo for the last week's episode for the picture
1: excellent oh lovely Next <laughs> topic lovely yeah. bit of portsmouthian banter what, don't, don't be a din,
0: put it, it in the, the bin. bin. Yes. So why do dins not put things in
1: bins? Do you know, I was musing on this, Simon. Again, I was... What did the room think? I, well, I, I, I'm starting to really struggle with the fact that it feels to me as a society... Nation, call it what you will, we're just starting to lose this entire sense of personal responsibility and accountability. Uh, don't worry about that, somebody else sort that out. I can't countenance why, if you're out for the day, or you're why you wouldn't see fit to take your own rubbish home, or, or at the very least put it in
0: a bloody bin um I, I i must admit i've never been able to get my head around the idea that you go to little or wherever it is you go to buy all your stuff you take it to the location you're going to have your picnic or whatever you've you've obviously carried it and you're carrying yep. it back and you know why what is so difficult about carrying that rubbish away it's going to be lighter because you've eaten all of the stuff so what what is so difficult? I don't I don't get why that's a why that's a bad thing. I, d- I don't know about anybody. I personally would kind of I I always kind of operate on the you take your rubbish with you. So my kind of go to response in any situation is the only rubbish I'm not taking with me is stuff that for you know for some reason is. So messy that I haven't got a a meaningful way to take it with me. But I would be putting it in a, in a bin, and if the bin, if there isn't a bin available, then I would hold on to it until I find one that is. I think the the example is probably the most visible example is the sea is that you know down the common and and along the seafront, and the the problem is just the sheer number of people going down there. Um, you could you could literally park about twenty skips down there, um, and they'd still probably get full up. And they'd still probably get blown around the common because obviously they're they're massively open. The the if we, if we talk in a society where we want to encourage people to recycle, the council tried putting recycling um, options down there, but all people did was contaminate all the recycling by putting normal food waste, you know, normal waste into the recycling. So the best thing all round is take look, I'm sorry, sorry, listeners. Take your shit home with you. I know it's. I'm sure it's not our listeners. Yeah, no,
1: and 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 look, you know, I I I I got myself muted a bleak band for being really really rude to somebody yesterday. But this is a topic where I feel the urge to be really really rude to people. I just I and but the thing that I can't get is that no decent person believes that. To leave your to get up from your picnic and leave the litter where it lays is reasonable, but there have to be hundreds of them in this city if the levels of rubbish that are left on South Sea Common or on the beaches to be cleared up every day. Oh, I. I, I mean, to be fair, you we I, I are know violence res- is never the answer.
0: No, it's not. <laughs> no, but I
1: really would like to see them beaten with sticks. Okay, like a lot.
0: Um. Okay, Um, Ian obviously not in in charge of message in the Conservative Party. Um, So um, You could
1: fire them I suppose but you know.
0: But also don't forget not all of the visitors to the seafront are from Portsmouth. So not all of them have have a a vested connection in the city and actually concerned about the £160,000 it cost the council to clear up the shit last year. Yeah. not everybody not everybody from is from this place who is actually that bothered about it so um we might which joke it, it about
1: sticks even harder
0: which <laughs> no I, um and the and the problem is is in order to in order to stop and find people you've got to have enough enough enforcement officers to um to actually be able to spot people doing it catch them doing it at the point that they're doing it and pounce if you like with you know yeah yeah. um so malcolm i don't
1: malcolm agrees with you by the way you know i i I don't blame the council i you know it is an element of it it, it is reasonably unpoliceable but um we've we've
0: got to change the the public um the public language on it it's got to be as as unsociable as drink driving
1: yes right one savage Um, stick beating at a time
0: that's, that's not, not strange, how that's right. not how society changed its mind about drink driving being so at one point it was is it, not? it was it was a relatively kind of acceptable thing to oh you'll be, you'll be you'll be all right it's fine I mean I I wasn't um old enough then but it it wasn't as rightly frowned upon and discouraged um and seen as a as a you know as a social taboo as it as it is now and um and I agree with your wider point that we are all part of this society of this community, and unless we all take responsibility for it, um, we're in we're in the brown mess, you know, sticky stuff. So um, quite literally, um, and you know, for me, um, I think possibly the only way to do it is is more enforcement. Sadly, and yes, that does cost more money, and maybe that can be self um funding if you find them enough to actually fund the officers that are actually then doing it but then part of the punishment is that you know you you give them the option okay you can pay a 50 pound fine or whatever it is i don't know what the going rate is um or here you go here's a little pick a stick here's a bag you can spend an hour cleaning up rubbish
1: oh yeah hold on yeah i'd like um
0: and you know maybe that just changes people's mindset enough to get them to okay i don't want to pay the money so i'm going to spend an hour cleaning up and after cleaning it up are they going to want to do it again
1: probably not i don't know so have we have we found a mutually agreeable stick-based solution well you want to
0: hit people with the stick i want them to use it constructively i think if nothing demonstrates conservatism versus liberalism more effectively then you want to beat people with the stick and i want them to use it as a tool yeah I, I feel like i should i should write that insightful analysis um to both of the leadership candidates because that will be useful i um, know yeah, i
1: think you should More <laughs> uh, i'm sure
0: Layla and ed will do well probably without it um okay so yeah so next. final
1: section sir ed davy versus the other one.
0: Oh, i thought we were going to do that i thought we were going to we we're going to talk about the media Rory, won't we
1: Oh, the media, sorry. No, yeah, we'll leave the Lib Dems. Yeah, the, oh, yeah, yeah. No, well, we were going to briefly, we
0: were going to we literally um, briefly mention, weren't we, as a, as a sentence. Sorry, I've, I, yes, you're quite no, right. No,
1: no, I missed the one. The, uh, and here's the the brief media furore. Yes. Was, was in the Express 36 towns and cities that will have to go into lockdown.
0: It's not like Lester, the Express like to the write alarmist of, um, nonsense. Leicester. <laughs> yes.
1: One of the cities that was listed therein was our own fair city of Portsmouth. Mm -hmm. And of course, the world lost its collective mind over that statement. And, um, you know, as with the joys of social media, it was reposted and, what do they know that we don't? And, And it turned out to be...
0: Neither of you know very much.
1: No. As... We should celebrate today, as it is you know now more than a month um, that QA has had anybody die from COVID. Mm-hmm. So, you know, tragic loss of life that there has been. You know, we've we've been a month in the clear now, which is great news. Which is Our good in contrast rates to how, in terms of infection, is very low. So somehow, and despite the best efforts of the South Sea Front Common Scrummagers. It doesn't look like we're going to go into a localized lockdown anytime soon.
0: Um, well, no. I mean, to be fair, it, it seems that because the Daily Mail and the Express both released this um, this article, um, and um, it's not like the Daily Mail or the or the Daily Express to release salacious, um, irresponsible content at all. They've um. oh
1: come on, <laughs> um, but yeah, literally. Um, Do you want to throw a couple of other names in there? What? The sun, the mirror, the guardian, the Well yeah, but those <sighs> are the
0: I mean you, you 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 researched from the Express, I researched from the from the mail and then basically took my MacBook through the washing machine. Um so they Yeah, they they seem to have in in what is an obvious kind of like nothing nothing sells more than um other than other than sex and infidelity, nothing sells papers more than fear, which is something they've both done very well out of over the last couple of years um, i would say
1: the last four or five months pretty much all of the mainstream media outlets have yeah i have was just chucking the- aside that, they, that they've
0: spent the last kind of several years blaming unemployed immigrants for taking people's jobs um so um the they they both kind of seem to seem to have the article in the sense of they had the report Either they didn't actually understand how numbers work, or the people reading the articles didn't understand how numbers work. But either way, Leicester, really, really bad situation. 140 point two um um infection rate. So we re- really really yeah, so that's 140 people per hundred thousand. Really, really bad. There was a whole there was another tier of of cities um that were um that were at um thirty people per hundred thousand. Um, And then at the kind of the the very, very, the very kind of next to the next to all the places that were at zero, there was places that were below one. So one less than one person per hundred thousand in which Portsmouth was sat. Um, And that kind of doesn't really make us in any way comparable to the situation in Leicester. Um, And, yeah, it did seem to be a bit of a there was the whole thing of it seemed that some cities seemed to be having sight of the tier two data. Um, and some cities didn't seem to be seeing the tier two data. And the tier two data is the um, the tests and results of tests that were carried out outside of the NHS, the so ones that have been done by private contractors or had been posted out to people. So there um, yeah, it seems someone didn't either have their spreadsheet in a row or didn't understand it.
1: Um, and, uh, and, and, and then again, it, it what an spread usefully through and, social media. And you know, when you consider that we are the second most densely populated city in the UK after London, mm-hmm. that that incidence rate is. And again, you know, we have talked about the virus before, and cleverer folk than I and you mm-hmm. still don't quite understand how it's all working. But the fact that thus far we appear to have been, uh, we appear to have been. But, but- touched very lightly is a is a bloody good thing
0: yeah and um you know every um every fatality um, in Portsmouth is, is a is a tragedy but we have we do seem to have actually come off um favorably if that's the right word compared to other parts of the country um and it's worth comparing that to um to when we get frustrated about seeing basically people Having non-socially distanced gatherings or people doing irresponsible things, um, that although those people are, as we said before, although those, those people are visible and they might actually seem like a large number of people, that by far the majority of people in the city are actually doing what they needed to be doing to keep their families and keep everyone else safe. So let's let's, let's not be complacent. It. Let's keep doing that.
1: So there, marvelous. So I think we're at about time. You've been listening to the Pompey Politics Podcast.
0: Blue and yellow till we die.
1: I'm Ian Tiny Morris.
0: And I've been Simon Sansbury.